I think it's one in two children today has some kind of health problem, whether it's autism or asthma or attention deficit disorder. This is tragic. And this is the consequence of turning our backs on traditional food. And it's a consequence of all the advertising that makes us think traditional foods that have nourished us for thousands of years aren't good for us. Want to truly be the best parent you can be and help your child thrive after their autism diagnosis? This podcast is for all in parents like you who know more is possible for your child. With each episode, we reveal a secret that empowers you to be the parent your child needs now, saving you time, energy, and money, and helping you focus on what truly matters most, your child. I'm Cass. And I'm Len. Welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. Welcome to Autism Parenting Secrets. It's Len. I'm here with Cass, and we have a very special guest today. Sally Fallon Morell is the founding president of the Weston A. Price Foundation. It's a not-for-profit nutrition education foundation dedicated to returning nutrient-dense food to American tables. And she's also the editor of the foundation's quarterly journal. Uh, the foundation has 13,000 members and over 300 local chapters worldwide. And she's perhaps best known for her best-selling cookbook, Nourishing Traditions, uh, the cookbook that challenges politically correct nutrition and diet dictocrats. So uh, that book has a special place in our household. Uh, she's widely respected for providing accurate and understandable explanations of complicated subjects in the field of nutrition and health. And she's authored many, many books, articles, and publications on a wide variety of topics, including the benefits of animal fats, bone broth, raw milk, and the dangers of things like GMOs, corn, and soy, and chemicals, pesticides, hormones, all those things in and on our food. So her organization is changing the conversation about what constitutes a healthy diet and challenges the legitimacy of the low-fat, low-cholesterol paradigm. She's the mother of four and four grandchildren, and they were all brought up according to nourishing traditions principles. So today we're focusing particularly on the importance of animal fats in the diet. It's important for everyone, but especially your child on the spectrum. The secret this week is your child needs fats most of all. So with that lengthy intro, we're just so excited to have Sally on the show. Welcome, Sally. Uh, thank you very much. Thank, I'm happy to be here. Well, we're so excited. And as Len mentioned in the intro, your book, Nour Nourishing Traditions, was one of our son's favorites. Oh, and it was really funny because at the time he had, when he regressed, he lost his words, he lost connection, everything. But he actually taught himself how to read. And so when he would go to the bookshelf, he would always pull your book off the shelf. And it was and it was like part of it was like divine intervention. Like, mom, you better pay attention to this book because this is what I need. Um, but we have photos of when he was really little just studying your book. So thank oh, you for cute. that. Yeah. yeah, he had it memorized. All you have to do is say say a vegetable and he would tell you what page it was on. <laughs> so, so, and we had a lot of books, by the way, because we were like a lot of other parents after receiving a diagnosis. We bought a lot of books, some of which we read, some we didn't. 
Yours, we did absolutely. And again, our son gravitated to that one book more than any. So, um, so yes, yeah, so you and the light you shine is a real special part of our journey. And uh, we're just excited to have this discussion. And I know there's so many topics you can talk about that you're very passionate about. <laughs> and, and, and I just congratulate or, or applaud you for you have not taken the easy popular road in terms of the message you're putting out. So while we can talk about a lot, just the importance of animal fats in the diet is really important and something I think very few people really appreciate the why. And so to go deeper on that would be phenomenal. So vegetable oils are something completely new to the human diet. And I'm talking about margarines, spreads, shortenings, um, cooking oils, and then basically processed food because all processed food contains these vegetable oils. I call them industrial seed oils. And they came into the diet in about 1913 and gradually increased their share uh, with the propaganda against their competition. What was their competition? It was butter and lard. And so we have been exposed to this relentless propaganda for over 100 years that um, it's kind of vulgar to use lard and we should feel guilty and entitled if we're using butter. And that's basically the way it comes out. Uh, unfortunately, the vegetable oils do a tremendous amount of damage and the animal fats are essential for life and health. All traditional cultures, that, that's the only kind of fat we had until 1912, 1913. So um, butter is the fat that nourishes all mammals. It's for the growth and development of all mammals. It's in all mammalian milk. And it has certain uh, components that are particularly important for the brain. Uh, one of those components is called arachidonic acid. 11% of the fats in the brain are or should be this fat called arachidonic acid. And uh, arachidonic acid is only in animal fats, and especially high in butter. And it's very important for the brain to work. Otherwise, uh, the, the cell surfaces don't join together as they're supposed to in the brain. Uh, also, it's very important for the gut. And we know there is a correlation between gut health and brain health, especially in autism. And um, in the gut, arachidonic acid makes sure there's a, a nice impermeable gut wall. So stuff that's not supposed to get through doesn't get through. So, um, one of the important things in animal fats, all animal fats, is cholesterol. Now, we have been told that cholesterol is this horrible substance that's going to give us heart disease. And it's yeah, so such a, a tragedy that this idea has ever caught on. It's an invention of the uh, vegetable oil industry and children in particular really need cholesterol. They can't make it. Adults can make cholesterol, but babies can't. If you buy milk replacer for uh, baby calves, the third ingredient is animal fat because the vets know that Animals need animal fat to, to live, basically, and, and that's cholesterol in that animal fat. And cholesterol is extremely important for the development of the babies and the children's brain. 
if your child has digestive problems, it's a good bet that they can't make it cholesterol right into adulthood. So they absolutely need high cholesterol foods and animal fats are the basic uh, high cholesterol food. And, and that's been known for a long, long time and really only relatively recently. And for anyone who's somewhat younger, the idea that cholesterol and butter are bad has been around for so long that you, I mean, you really don't, a lot of people don't have any evidence, you know, of the contrary. Oh, they just laugh at you. Or um, I've had people tell me, gosh, I've never eaten butter in my life. And it's uh, all the margins and, and basically the spreads. Now the spreads are supposed to be the healthy spreads. <clears throat> Don't have trans fats in them, but they're made with these um, rancid, toxic vegetable oils. So, you know, for, for a family that's hearing this for the first time, I know it's, it's kind of mind-blowing. Uh, but it's really not hard to get the vegetables out of your diet. Um, First of all, use butter instead of spreads. You uh, make your own salad dressing using olive oil. It takes a minute to make salad dressing and doesn't cost any more. Um, you cook in uh, butter or lard or bacon fat, and the food will taste delicious and much more nutritious that way. And you just avoid processed foods, you know, make your own foods and and Sally, for a family who, especially gluten-free, casein-free diet with a child with autism, then something like ghee. I just wanted to get your take on ghee. Yeah, ghee is a good uh, substitute for butter. And of course, the other animal fats don't have casein in them. Right. right. You know, a, a really good example of how crazy this is, is the idea that we should eat skinless chicken breasts. Right. Yeah. Uh, first of all, they're inedible. They're very dry and tasteless, and you have to put some kind of sauce on them to make them edible. And usually, it's going to be a sauce with sugar in it. But the um, the skin has all the fats, and poultry fat is really healthy. It's full of arachidonic acid. It contains um, fat soluble vitamins. I mean, we we should be eating the skin. You know, there's just no reason to take it off. Or to avoid it. And just logic would say you you eat the whole thing, including yeah. including the skin. And it's interesting when you were talking about just at the outset about, you know, from a brain function perspective, uh, when I visited India uh, once and uh, co-workers that I was visiting there, they kind of said to me because they knew what, what we ate like and we mm-hmm. eat a lot of ghee in our household and, and butter. And they were almost, and one gentleman was almost apologizing to me saying, yeah, they're, in their family and in their culture, especially for exams in grade school or college, moms give the kid a tablespoon of ghee to help them on the exams. And they, and, and they felt that that helped with brain function. He was saying this like, look how silly it is, but, you know, truly. But he's, he's right. And yeah. you just have to be careful in India because a lot of what they're calling ghee is not ghee. It's vegetable oil. With ah, flavorings in it, you, you have put to be a label very on anything, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've they've fallen for this message also. In fact, uh, the vegetable oil industry made India a particular target about uh, 15 years ago. Uh, they used to have these people who went around with little stone presses and made the fresh rapeseed oil, and uh, they declared that illegal. They said somebody got sick. You know, that's what they always do. And 
So first of all, put a hundred thousand a little of these people out of business. But then, what were the stores filled with? They were filled with American soybean oil. So this industry is evil. It's rapacious. Lies and it's caused so much suffering and poor health. And I always say the number one thing. I mean, it's good to stop eating sugar. It's good to get on raw milk. It's good to eat no, not eat processed food. But the number one thing is to get the vegetable oils, in whatever form, out of your diet. Right. That's the first thing to do. And it's really important. I think um, if we could list them for the, you know, because I think certain um, vegetable, like olive oil, Mm -hmm. I would say is a healthy oil, but like, um, and I don't cook with it, but I'll use it for like dressings. Like you had said, like a dressing with it would be. um, But you have to be careful because most olive oil is adulterated with soybean oil. (laughs) Right. So well, and that's you, where you have to know your brands and you have you to have know to your, buy the expensive right. olive oil. But if you make your own salad dressing with just say olive oil, vinegar and a little mustard or something, uh, it will using the finest olive oil, it will cost less than those bottled dressings. Right. And the bottled dressings, just read the list of ingredients that's on them. It's just Mind-blowing. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do. So Sally, I got to actually hear you speak back in 2010. I when my so my son regressed, was diagnosed with autism in 2008, 2010. I was part of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition Health Coach Program. So you were this is when the program was live and we actually met as people and Sage and I got to listen to you. And from that, I thank you for a few things. One is you inspired our love of bone broth. Oh, yes. Yes. So that was amazing. And Len is the master bone broth maker in our house. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that has definitely been a big part of our last over a decade now. Um, So that was huge. Yeah, I got the recipe from from your book, and uh, I have, I'm like a warlock. I have this giant cauldron. We used a broth, you know, in so many meals, and that that's been something that's yeah for over 12 years now. That's been a staple okay. of our okay. household. Again, thanks thanks to your your book and and opening opening that window for us. And then in addition to the refined oils, the other big aha I had from hearing you speak was the whole idea of raw dairy. Now, if you don't mind talking a little bit about raw dairy and the benefits, because so many people feel like have been uh, brainwashed that pasteurized is really the end state. Um, But I know it's not. Well, again, that's been pushed on us as being safer but there've been far more illnesses from pasteurized milk than raw milk over, over the decades. Um, there was a study published in China in 2019 that is a really eye-raising, eyebrow-raising subject. Uh, they looked at milk processed in four ways. One is boiled to, um, you know, to imitate pasteurization. One was microwaved, one was um, spray-dried, and one was freeze-dried. All four types of processing, when fed to rats, caused damage to the spleen, the liver, and the blood, and the rats were stupider when they were given these processed milk. So milk is a very nutritious substance, but it's also a very delicate substance. Uh, 
<clears throat> and anytime you heat it or spray it or microwave it, of course, it's going to mess up the proteins. The proteins in milk are not tough proteins like you have in meat. They're three-dimensional, very fragile, and they become highly allergenic, uh, very bad for the gut. And again, there's always this relationship between gut health and brain health in the autistic child. And the thing is, we have the technology today to get safe, clean, raw milk to any child in this country. We have the transportation, we have the stainless steel, we have the testing. Uh, uh, my farm produces raw milk, and we have we test every batch. It's not hard, and it's not expensive, so it can be done. And in fact, raw milk is um, the fastest growing agricultural product out there. Um, it's outselling uh, pasteurized milk in the health food stores in California. Uh, we we can't keep keep we can't produce enough. There's such a huge demand for it. I'm, I'm not sure why it's suddenly we have this big demand, but we do. And I think one of the reasons is when people give the raw milk to their um, children, they see an improvement in their children's behavior. They're not having to deal with all these toxic um, broken down proteins and you'd feel better too. You know, <laughs> your, your behavior would be better too. So raw milk is extremely easy to digest, very good for the digestion. And again, has many components that are good for the brain. And of course, it should be whole milk, never skim milk. Now, you said something that just um, piqued my interest. So you said that pasteurization of milk makes it more allergenic. Is that what oh, I Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we have a son who's allergic to most things, including dairy. And I'm wondering if it's he's allergic to pasteurized dairy versus what raw dairy would do. Don't know. I'm just throwing that out there, Len, as a possibility, because I've never heard um, that connection before. But that Oh, would I would definitely try raw dairy. The only thing I would say is start very slowly yep. with like a tablespoon at room temperature and gradually build up because yep. Uh, you know, it's it, it kind of re reprograms the gut a little bit, so you want to be yeah. very careful. Yeah, I would skin we test first. <laughs> many reports of autistic uh, individuals improving on raw dairy. Many, yeah. right? And I also have heard a lot. I don't know if you know anything as it relates to raw camel milk. Camel milk is the other thing I hear about. Yeah, camel milk um, is supposed to be very good for autistic children, but really any any milk. That's going to be good. I mean, they, they're all quite similar. One thing about camel milk that is different, it's extremely high in vitamin C. And that's because when you were going across the desert, um, you didn't have any other sources of vitamin mm -hmm. C. So, Got it. Nature's way. But yeah, camel milk is very healthy. Now, the one thing, we live in a state that... Um, where raw milk is outlawed. And so we live in North Carolina, so. Oh, but you yes. can get raw milk in North Carolina. Uh, it will be labeled as pet milk, but yeah. there's a lot of it. And you can go to a website, realmilk.com, which has a map. You can find it. it it's yeah. very available today. Okay. Well, well yeah, very, we very different than a, a 10 years ago, because at one point we lived in New York City and then we did one year in New Jersey. And I know Cass would make arrangements for our raw milk to be delivered from oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, we had raw goat 
No, we no, we had no, we had raw goat milk delivered, but it was like white van undercover kind of yeah. thing. Well, it's much more available now. We do have pet milk available in New Jersey. Since quite recently, we we're working state by state to make sure that it's universally available. Okay, nice. Yeah, no, it's 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 it's. I think it's really important for parents to always kind of pause, rethink about everything that's touching your child. And so looking at the food, looking at the fats, looking also at the meat sources, right? So I think that's another um, key element that you, you've you taught us so well. So you want grass-fed, pastured. Yes. So we have something called the 50% campaign, and we ask everyone to pledge to spend 50% of their food budget on direct purchases from farmers and artisans. And the other 50%, we say you can celebrate how small the world has become and enjoy pineapple and rice and all those things. But um, the way to find these foods is to contact your nearest local chapter of the Weston A. Price Foundation. And they usually have a food list or they always have a food list of, um, you know, where you can get these foods. Uh, Very often they've organized deliveries where once a week or once every two weeks, you can pick everything up. Well, and that's what's also fun about like going to farmers markets and meeting the farmers. And so many farmers are so proud of what they've created that they invite you to visit. So we often will go on farm tours because Mm -hmm. there's nothing like seeing where the food comes from in person. Yes, that's right. That's right. And we're not going to have any farms if we don't support them with our food dollars. Right. Because the trend is towards more industrial farms and they have the political power. But of course, the educated consumer is the strongest force on earth. And it's really up to us to keep small farms alive by supporting them. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit inconvenient, you know, to go that yeah. extra effort to learn, to establish relationships but it makes all the difference and um, you got to know where your food's coming from. Absolutely. And, and Dr. Zach Bush, who I know, you you, you know, uh, you know, mm-hmm. he, that's a big part of his mission as well. Mm-hmm. He's going to be on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, it's it just got to support the farmers who are trying to do the right thing and know where the food is coming from. And, and with our audience of listeners, I'm sure many parents have heard, you know, oh, you have a child with autism, avoid gluten, avoid dairy. And when we hear about dairy, I mean, it's important that, the foods you're talking about, raw milk and having dairy products from the right farm is wildly different than what Absolutely. you would see in the Kroger um, in, the, in the dairy aisle, right? I mean, they're yeah. really different, totally different products. Yes, right, right. It's truly just kind of, re, you know, I always like to say, and you had said that, you know, it's basically from 1913 as it relates to industrial oils, Um but thinking about, do we go back 150 years and think about what was food then versus what was food now? Well, for one thing, Americans were eating way, way more butter than they eat today. Um, the average butter consumption was 18 pounds per person per year. Today, it's about five. But they were also drinking whole milk. Everyone knew that skim milk was bad for you. Um and that your children would be cranky if you gave them skim milk. Uh, so people were drinking whole milk. They were putting cream on all their vegetables and um, yeah, and eating cheese with uh, plenty of butter fat. What would you say to the argument, which I've used many times, because I'm not I, I, from a 
early age, I never really liked the idea of drinking cow's milk. I just thought mm-hmm. it was kind of a weird thing. But in terms of the argument that, hey, we're, humans aren't intended to drink another animal's milk, that that's just not how nature works. What would you say to that general argument? I would say, who says? I mean, <laughs> just look look at the world. We have healthy populations drinking the milk of um, cows, goats, sheep, reindeer, camels, water buffalo, and yes. they're healthy. They're healthy people. In fact, what that's what Dr. Price found, that the people who had milk in their diets were healthier than people who didn't have milk in their diet. And they were taller too. They grew taller. And there, I remember seeing the pictures, especially. Um, so do you mind just educating the listeners on who Dr. Price was and what he discovered? Because I also remember seeing the pictures of the jaws, right? Uh, before Western food came in and then after, because um, I think that's really important for um, our listeners to hear. Yeah, so Dr. Price was a dentist, and he was concerned about all the tooth decay he found in his practice, but also what he called dental deformities, meaning crooked teeth. So the face is too narrow, and the palate is too narrow for the teeth to come in straight. Um, He traveled the world studying traditional populations, and he found 14 groups that had no cavities, number one, but that had beautiful facial structure. Not anybody needed braces in these um, communities. And I think you'll find a very high incidence of narrow jaws among autistic children, you know, a sign that they haven't gotten the nutrients they need in utero and then in the early years. And what was the number one characteristic of these diets that were very high in three vitamins, vitamins A, D, and K, which we can only get from animal foods. We get them from animal fats, organ meats, and certain seafoods. And these vitamins were 10 times higher in the traditional diet than in the modern diet. So this is what we're promoting, Um, you know, egg yolks, pastured egg yolks, um, butter, um, uh, pork fat is very nutritious fat, Um, tallow and lard, of course, and then uh, certain seafoods, um, uh, shellfish. Uh, fish eggs, that was a sacred food in many um, populations. We also encourage people to eat liver one way or another, to learn to like liver, either as pate or liver and onions, liverwurst. If you can't stand that, um, take desiccated liver, but very important to have it in the diet. I bought a grinder after hearing you speak and would <laughs> grind it into burgers, so yes. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things in liver, of course, is vitamin A. Vitamin A is crucial for the brain to work properly. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Mary Megson uh, in Richmond, Virginia. She'd be a very good uh, doctor to interview. But she treats autism with cod liver oil, um, which, of course, is something that we recommend um, and has had wonderful results. You know, a lot of autistic children, their vision is not right, so they... They can't see in the middle of their eye and they have to look sideways. Well, vitamin A is the vision vitamin, and she corrects that by giving them cod liver oil. So, uh, again, vitamin A is extremely important. It's in butter, of course, it's in egg yolks, but mainly it's in liver. Fantastic. I I remember listening to you speak one time where you said that uh, you were convinced that Dr. Price would have predicted autism. Now, why is that? 
Uh, well, I don't remember saying that, but he certainly predicted um, physical degeneration, what he called physical degeneration. So it's not just the teeth and the jaw that are becoming more narrow. Um, intellectual capacity is going down. Um, you know, I think it's one in two children today has some kind of uh, health problem, whether it's autism or asthma or attention deficit disorder. This is tragic, and this is the consequence of turning our backs on traditional food. And it's a consequence of all the advertising that makes us think traditional foods that have nourished us for thousands of years aren't good for us. Well, it's that, and it's also the convenience. Like, it for you to actually have to cook is something that's not normal anymore, what it used to be. You know, that used to be kind of part of what you did each day. And now it's more like, what can I microwave? Which is where, like, I'm, I feel blessed because we do have a child who is, still has many, 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 many food allergies. So for the last 15 years, it's organic, it's non-processed, and it's made from scratch, which has been such a blessing for um, our whole family because we've we've eaten like he's eaten. Um, and, so and, and when people say it's a it's a, a hassle and it's inconvenient, well, I can tell you that having an autistic child is a hassle and very inconvenient. Right. Having children is a hassle and inconvenient. Uh, we, of course, tell parents to make their own baby food. The first food should be egg yolk and liver, pureed liver. And they say, well, that's such a hassle. And I said, listen, kids are a hassle. And you're, they're going to be a hassle as long as they're living under your house. <laughs> and you, you you do these things because you love them and you want to support them to to grow into the best person they can be and the happiest person they can be. So with the, the I love that baby food hack. I never like start with the yeah. egg yolk and the liver. Mm-hmm. Is that in nourishing traditions? Or yes, that- those recipes are in the back of the book, along with the recipe for baby formula based okay. on raw milk. But um, I also have a book called The Nourishing Traditions Book of Baby and Child Care, which awesome. has these original recipes for babies. I mean, if you're buying baby food, pretty much the only thing you can buy is pureed fruits, uh, maybe some pureed turkey with MSG in it. Um, and they're either in plastic or aluminum, uh, both very toxic to your child's brain. Right. Uh, I mean, the you used to at least be able to get baby food in glass jars. You can't even do that anymore. Right. So, so you need to, you're going to be cooking for your children or you should be for 18 years and you start when they're babies and everything will be so much easier uh, if, if they're healthy from the beginning. It, did the whole baby food shortage actually bring more people your way to that way of thinking to make their own? Well, the baby formula shortage absolutely did. Um, our traffic on our baby uh, formula page increased a thousand percent. Yes, and a lot of, and that may be why the demand for raw milk has gone up because moms are making the baby formula with raw milk. Yeah, the, the whole premise, everything that you're about is about nourishment, and that's such a huge term with us as well. Because really, for parents who are listening. It's all about getting food right for your child and to nourish them. And it comes down to your food beliefs and you're sharing your beliefs and it's all in your books about what you believe to be true. And you point to 
thousands of years of evolution as to your evidence as to why uh, that makes sense. But there's so many different diets and fads and new food beliefs that pop up uh, that seem like very convincing. Uh, but, you know, we always try to urge people that we coach just to, you know, really understand what your options are and then do what rings true for you because what's slapped on a package on a label or even what has really good marketing behind it may not be in, in any way be a fit for your child if you take the time to really understand the options and and by the way i don't want to create the impression that you have to be cooking all the time either because what you choose for your child's snack foods is very important so you buy them cheese instead of cheerios you buy them really fatty charcuterie you know salami and stuff natural salami instead of granola bars which are impossible to digest um so there's a lot of things that you can do just by your choices you you buy sourdough bread which is easier to digest than regular bread and you put butter on it and cheese on it there's dinner there's dinner for your child so for cheese, because let's be honest, not everything is the same. If someone was interested to, you know, embrace more of the Western A price kind of the nourishing traditions kind of way of eating, what would you look for? Because cheese is put on so many things that probably aren't really cheese. Like yeah. how would someone buy cheese, right? What are you looking for? You look for uh, cheese is just milk, culture and enzymes and salt. And I must, would it be um, raw cheese? Well, that's the best, of course. Okay. Uh, the Weston A. Price Foundation has a shopping guide okay. where you can find the raw cheese, the truly raw cheese. A lot of cheese says it's raw and it's not. Um, we, you know, we have good charcuterie in there, um, liverwurst, pate. Uh, and then, you know, let's just talk about breakfast for a moment. The child needs fat and protein at breakfast. So that's, there's your eggs, scrambled eggs with cream or fried eggs. It's fine to give them bacon. Bacon is great food for kids. They love it. Um, you do sourdough toast with butter. Give them their cod liver oil <laughs> if they'll take it. And uh, a glass of raw milk. That is a really good nourishing breakfast and will support them uh, pretty much all day long, really. The other thing that I would um, I started doing too was adding bone broth. So if I was making, let's just say, um, you know, gluten-free organic oatmeal or quinoa flakes or something, I use bone broth as my liquid. Yeah, so that was another that. kind of trick to kind of get more bone broth yeah. into more, the food. More nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. And and what about as long as you brought it up with bread? Um, now, so with glue, what, what's your what's the stance on gluten? Because I think you know we we have a we have a child who's got literal you know IgE allergies to um, to wheat and dairy and the like. So with our son, we have to be really extra careful. Um, our daughter eats gluten free grains, um, but our son doesn't. But and my my understanding now is that gluten necessarily isn't necessarily the enemy as much as it might be the the glyphosate that's yes. on and yes. tainted. So is that how you you would well, look at it? I know there was a study in Italy where they took people who diagnosed as gluten intolerant. I think I think it was diagnosed as celiac disease. I can't remember. And they fed them genuine sourdough bread, and they had no problem with it. 
yeah, it's it's really hard to have a diet without any grains in it. So it would certainly be something to try and put a lot of butter on it and, and just see. Yeah, but and, it needs to be and, genuine sourdough. Right. The, the true sour. Exactly. It all comes down to getting the, the exact right product, which I know your right. website is phenomenal yes. in terms of the resources that you have there. Well, our shopping guide here. Oh, we just came out with 2023. So uh, you can just, if you're a member of the foundation, you get this every year, but you can also order it from our website. Very helpful. And then realmilk.com, you can find the raw milk and often uh, farms, often the raw milk farms are doing pastured eggs and, and meats and so forth. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll include uh, all the links to your, to your resources and, and to the various books you've written. I guess one thing I'd like to just throw out to get your high-level takes, I know this one question can probably result in a totally separate episode. Um, while there are many root causes, we like to really focus in on what's what's the root cause of what's what's happening with children, particularly children on the spectrum. So not the root cause of autism as much as a lot of the behaviors and the things that parents see. It, and I, I know- I think it's malnutrition. Just yep. Lack of fats, lack of fat-soluble vitamins, lack of vitamin A, lack of vitamin D. Uh, and then along with this very depleted diet, you have all the chemicals. Um, the chemicals in sunscreen. Please, mom and dad, don't put sunscreen on your kids. Horrible for them. Um, all the chemicals in the plastics and the personal care items, uh, the chem- chemicals in packaging, um, you know, plastic bottles and things like this. Right. So, uh, and the bodies, their bodies are malnourished. And so they have a very hard time dealing with these chemicals. And I think it's important to remind parents that your skin's your largest organ. It is. And it absorbs a lot. And that question is useful, but it could also cause a lot of debates because there's so many potential root causes. So if I tweak the question a little bit in terms of you have a child who's got who's got some challenge that you're wanting to help them with, what's the root cause of why they don't get any better? It's it's pretty much the same answer, but I think that's where parents, at least what took us a long time to realize is, you know, what your child eats really matters for them to go wherever they are now to some better place, but they're, it's unlikely for them to get better to improve if they're being bombarded by toxins and if they're not eating the, the building blocks of, of basic nutrition. Well, all I can say is that we've had lots of kids get better on our diet. We've had lots of kids completely overcome a diagnosis of autism. Uh, we certainly have had kids overcome asthma and uh, uh, conditions like this, allergies, rashes, uh, by getting on our diet, um, it's of course not a hundred percent, and some of these conditions seem quite intractable. But nevertheless, we get the reports, and then of the babies who are born where the parents actually followed our diet during pregnancy, preconception and pregnancy, these babies are amazing. They, they don't have any health problems. Right, and you you have a great guide on how parents can do that, but they have to start. Before. Before. Before, yes. And there's a lot of articles on our website under the category of children's health. So I would, for parents whose interest is tweaked by what I'm saying, I would start there. Awesome. 
Fantastic. And then do you have any any comment on just picky eating in general? Like that's a, such a huge challenge. And we know if you're eating processed toxic food, uh, that could be a big reason, you know, that drives picky eating. But is there any other thoughts that you have? Because uh, that's such a big challenge. Well, I have two grandsons who are very picky eaters and they came for a visit. And um, my son said, you know, be aware. I think the first thing is that they don't eat anything between meals. So when they come to the table, they're hungry. And then the food should be, shouldn't be weird. Okay. So I made um, fried chicken and I cut up the breast of the little pieces of chicken nuggets there. Of course, I was cooking it in lard and they love that. I made, um, you know, hamburgers. They love that. I mean, I just made the food seem um, like normal food. And they have learned to eat eggs. I think if you put a lot of cream in the eggs and put it on bread or something or with bacon, they'll eat those eggs. Yeah. So I think uh, picky eaters, um, the, the main thing is they're hungry when they sit down to the table. That's a big motivating force for sure. Yeah. Hunger. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we couldn't thank you enough for sharing your perspectives. I think this gives people a lot to think about and a lot that they can start taking action on today. And again, your your, your website is unlike most others where there's just such a wealth, a treasure trove of resources. Mm-hmm. And for a nominal fee to become uh, a member, uh, especially, uh, and I, I know most of what's there is is, is free, right? You don't even well, everything on our website is free. Um, we're not trying to restrict this information in any way. But we are supported by memberships. Our membership is $40 um, for four really great uh, journals every year. But everything we publish in our journals is on the website. Well, I know ever since I've been going to conferences, autism conferences, your your organization's always had a presence, always super helpful, sharing information. So again, good. I'm glad to hear that. From our standpoint, just again, we couldn't thank you enough for what you and your organization does. And I just know so many people are going to benefit from this. Thank you. Try that raw milk. You might be surprised. (laughs) Want to discover your top autism parenting blind spot? Take our free quiz today. Go to allinparent.com slash go.